Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome to Cureleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary. Whether you're a longtime patient or you're just getting acquainted with this incredible plant, Cureleaf of Pennsylvania is honored to guide you along your medical marijuana journey. It's time for another edition of the Blue White Breakdown Podcast, Penn Live's Penn State Football, Big Ten National College Football Playoff Focus Show. Greg Pickle here with you. Dave Jones in this week. Dave, it's been a while, but what's new? What's going on? And how is summer treating you so far? Um, we just went out, man, at our local, our favorite local place last night. It was so great. I mean, it's so great. We, we actually, we vacationed in New Mexico, which I'd never been to. I need nine states now. How many states do you need? Do you know, you know how many states you need? I'd say at least 20. All right. Well, I'd never been to New Mexico. It was beautiful, gorgeous. Went up to Taos in uh, May and we had a couple of pops in a Peruvian restaurant. It was this little hole in the wall place. It was fantastic. And then there's this couple that starts talking to us. And there's, there's only like five of us in the restaurant by this time. We had hiked like nine miles. We, were, we, were, we almost just didn't go out. And this couple's from, uh, there are a couple of lawyers from uh, Philadelphia, a uh, man and a woman. And we met them last night because uh, we liked them so much and just had the, the greatest time in the world. They, they've got a little more money than us, Greg. They race cars. Oh, boy. <laughs> well, hopefully the uh, listeners are having a good start to summer, just like you are. Uh, and we'll transition from there. Let's get into, I guess, first, the uh, your latest story. It's a yearly tradition for you, ranking the Big Ten, uh, you know, the where things stand from a money perspective, 14 to 1, based on the latest data. That is out for, and we'll keep repeating this because Dave had to keep repeating it to me. That is for the fiscal year ending June 2020. So that's... July 2019 to June 2020. So it's not the COVID year, but Penn State fills in at number three behind Michigan and Ohio State. What are your first thoughts on that? I mean, obviously, they're it, always been in the it, kind of top group, but uh, to be at that point, just your initial thoughts on that, what does it tell you about where Penn State is? It, it is the COVID year for basketball, but not for football, which drives the bus. Um, I don't think people realize just how powerful Fiscally, football is, even though they're told over and over, it's five to ten times more important as far as money than basketball is. And that that's even in traditional basketball schools like Maryland and Purdue. Football drives the economy of all these places. Um, I think just scanning the list, the, the first thing that popped out at, at me is Rutgers is still cooking its books. <laughs> <laughs> It is still uh, listing identical totals for revenue and expenses on football, which means they're running at a deficit. They're the only school in the Big Ten that's running at a deficit. They list uh, the, the identical totals of thirty-two million eight hundred seventy-four thousand three hundred fifty-seven, which is you know, almost impossible. 
I would say it's almost impossible. Yeah, it's about a hundred thousand to one that that could happen or more. And I think Bob Flounders um, would take those odds and maybe place it. <laughs> <laughs> so would you, you sicko. Yep, you're sick out. Uh, so they're at the bottom. Um, Maryland's right next to them at the bottom. It it makes sense that those schools have not uh, kind of revved up um, because they're the last ones in, and they will improve. Um, but but these figures do not count um, the 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 payout from the league for television contract, uh, which amounts to fifty three million, I think it is now. Yeah. Um, so so that isn't even included. This is just their their operation, their gate, their game day operation, their um, licensed merchandise, concessions, parking, all that stuff. So it, it also relates to attendance. Uh, the big four remains the big four, actually the big six, which is Iowa at six and ascending through Wisconsin, Nebraska, Penn State, Ohio State, Michigan, kind of evenly spaced apart by 10 million increments up to number one. Uh, Penn State has been number three as long as I can remember doing this thing, which is about six. Well, it's been six, I was going to say years. about six or seven years. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Penn State. Uh, all of those top four or five stated about the same totals. You would assume those will drop precipitously right. next year. Um, what it also points up is Nebraska is living on their number four at 96 million. They're living on the money of their tradition of their fan base. They keep just showing up, showing up for this really mediocre product. Yeah. And you wonder how long that machine can keep going because where are they in recruiting? Where have they been under Scott Frost? I, I mean, me. he got the initial pop just like most uh, initial do. Yeah. And, you know, they brought, if I remember correctly, it was Florida that they kind of really went and got guys from, cause he came from UCF yeah. of course, and had a bunch of great yeah. relationships there. And a lot of those guys didn't pan out. I imagine that's because Florida to Omaha, Nebraska is not exactly the easiest transition in the world. Of course, the state college isn't either, but yeah, they lost a lot of guys and it's been kind of a rough road on the recruiting front. So, you know, you know, without a, yeah, go ahead. You know, who did that was um, in his early tenure was, was Kirk Ferentz. Yeah. I think it predates you. They had that big, unexpected Big Ten championship season in 02 where they didn't play Ohio State and both teams were unbeaten in the league. They ended up going to the Orange Bowl and getting housed by uh, USC uh, with Brad Banks and those guys. Uh, Russell was the running back. You know, it's 19 years ago now. They had a little they, – they all of a sudden, Kirk Ferentz was able to recruit guys from Florida. So he did. He had like 13 guys from Florida – on the next couple of rosters and almost none of them panned out. They just didn't fit up there. Uh, I don't think they were happy. Uh, I don't know what Nebraska does now for a recruiting base. They tried California with Mike Riley. They actually had pretty good recruiting classes with Mike Riley, didn't they? It wasn't terrible. Yeah. I mean, right yeah. now they're bottom, bottom of the big 10. They have seven commitments, all three stars, not really anything oh. impressive. Wow. Uh, last year, they finished number five um, in the 2021 class, which is a little bit better than I would have thought, to be honest with you. But uh, still pretty considerably, you know, Penn State was six. That is what it is. They had three less commits. Um, and some of that stuff shakes out that way. But no, I mean, I don't I just have a hard time seeing, to your point, Scott Frost ever getting to a point where he establishes 
more than just relying on that tradition to bring people and dollars in. So I don't know what his out, long-term outlook there is, but I don't think it's good. I, I just don't, I just wonder if he has the right tenor for a college football program right now, where I think James Franklin does. I think Ryan right. Day does. I'm not so sure Jim Harbaugh does. No. Um, oh, you don't like him anyway. So we'll just move on. <laughs> <laughs> you had well, to get your one Jim Harbaugh dig. Well, in. for instance, Paul Christ just comes off as a genuine guy, yeah. you know? Um, and I, I, I think, I think he's real no matter what you say about him otherwise. Right. And I, I think college kids can spot a phony and I'm just not sure. I'm not sure they're on board with Scott Frost. Uh, no. We'll see what happened. Um, I, I don't know, but Penn state is at 101.7 million and they, they certainly have enough money. Um, Ohio state spent an ungodly amount of money. They had to clear 53 million in outlay, which was tops in the league by a substantial margin in order to get $63 million of profit. But, you know, they put the product on the field. So who cares? Right. Yeah, that's the the big boss in total revenue is still Michigan. And that might surprise some people. Right. Uh, But they have been for years and they just are they're getting great recruits. Are they not considered when they when they recruit them? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, again, it kind of ebbs and flows with them. I mean, the only one that truly brings in the big classes that you can count on year in and year out, of course, in the Big Ten is Ohio State, which is why they end up where they're at. Yeah, Michigan was number two in the 2021 rankings. Uh, So that class obviously coming to campus now. Back in 2020, they were, I believe, pretty high up there as well. So, yeah, I mean – they are getting classes in that are, uh, at least from the rankings and everything, purely that perspective, outstanding. And they don't seem to be getting as much as accomplished on the field, but they bring in the five-star quarterback this year. You know, they were number two a year ago. So they're getting the players in, Dave. They're just not uh, turning it into the kind of results that Michigan football fans want. But, you know, I think that is much as much to do, I think you're going to agree, as much to do with the head man as anything else. Yeah, and they, they've gotten, for instance – really well-regarded wideouts there. And what have they done with them? Not much. Not much at all. Um, but Dave Brandon, man, the former athletic director, he, he has perfected their, their, their revenue river and their fundraising, and they, they profited. They cleared $81 million in fiscal 2019-20. I mean, right. that, just, that just dwarfs everybody else. Yes. Uh, so it's not like they don't have the money to work with. That's how they can take trips to Europe right. with the, the entire team. Yeah. Um, I, I think, you know, Ohio State and Penn State should have the advantage uh, going in Wisconsin is, is right there going into this age where we're going to apparently, if not in two years, then in four, have a completely reconfigured and expanded playoff. Right. So that the, the, if, if you're if you're close, you get in now. I mean, how many times would Penn State have gotten in a 12 team playoff in the last uh, five years? Right. Probably two and maybe three. Right. Yeah. So there's no doubt about that. Let me ask you this. Are you in favor? I think I don't you're I think you're going to be hard pressed to find anyone in favor of keeping it at four. But what is it to you? Is it six? Is it eight? Or is it 10? Or is it 12? Is 12 the right magical number? No, I, I don't like 12. I, think I don't it's either. Too many. 
think it's too we're many. supposed to disagree on these things dave and argue that makes it exciting but we're not going to <laughs> do you have a scalding hot take right yeah you're crazy you're crazy um i think eight was the perfect number you get everybody's champion in from the power conferences uh, but the one thing is interesting about this is you could actually – did you see how Larry Scott, the outgoing uh, Pac-12 commissioner, reacted to, to this news? Yeah. Because it's not the top six. It's not the six um, champions. The six champions are just the highest rated champion in their rankings. Now, would they – who knows what goes into that committee's rankings? Right. I would have loved to see it if it was some sort of computer rankings raw without any human input, then he'd really be scared because right. I think some of the occasionally one of those teams from uh, say Boise state or Cincinnati could have edged out their champion. there've been a couple of years where the PAC 12 champion was just not well-regarded at all. And might right. still, I don't know, but when you have six that that automatically allows one, that's not a power five conference Right. Uh, that's good. Uh, but I think the reason they put in 12 is that the, you know, the SEC wouldn't agree to anything else. Right. They think they're going to overload the tournament with their schools. I would guess they think they can get four in, in right. a 12 team field, maybe even five. That's yeah. what they're counting on. So they're saying, look, if we're going to make it eight, let's go ahead and make it 12. And we're banking. We're going to get two of those extra four in. Right. Uh, maybe even three. And there have been years that if you tried to rank them based on results, that would have happened. Sure. So I, I think that was the impetus behind 12, which is kind of stupid, but they've got a they've got a big say in it. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I like the idea of eight personally, but if they're going to go to 12. I mean, let's look at what it would have been last year based on the final AP poll. You would have had Alabama, Texas A&M, Georgia. And that would have been it. So you would have had those three in from the SEC. Um, no, it wasn't, like, wasn't a particularly good year that last year. But they're, they're no, and it's kind of a throwaway year to an extent. Yeah. But uh, I, I, I do think it's going to help Penn State's chances because they certainly would have been in in 2016. I think they certainly would have been in in 2017. They might have been in in 2019. Yeah. Uh, am, I, uh, am I wrong? Where did they end up the, after the win over Memphis? I don't know. Yeah, I'd have to go look, but uh, they would have been in the field. They were right around 11, I believe. So, yeah, I think um, they would, certainly would have been in the conversation. Right. Um, and they only lost two games by very narrow scores to, oh, you know, they were in the Ohio State game. That was 28 to 17. Uh, the Minnesota game was 31 26. And those were the only two losses. I think right. they made the field. So they were number nine there in the final poll. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, well, that was after Memphis. Memphis, yeah. So I think they were well, 11 going really into that. Yeah. 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 Right. Anyway, I think it can't help but balance out recruiting a little bit. So that's good. The right. more teams that are in the playoff, uh, the, the more schools will get a bounce out of recruiting that aren't SEC schools. For instance, I, if, SC, if USC makes the tournament once or twice, twice in a row they're going to keep all those kids that have been thinking or actually committing into the south that's right. not going to happen anymore right. um you remember the story i had on brian bressy for instance um a couple of years ago and what is he a sophomore at clemson now yes correct um which isn't the the sec but it is the south right uh does he go to clemson if 
Penn State has made the tournament two years running? I don't know, man. I would certainly feel it's not as it wouldn't not have been it would not have been as much of a slam dunk. I don't think. No, had Penn been State been able to sell the championship playoff pedigree that Clemson yeah. and other places can. I think they host a playoff game in 2016. Am I wrong? Because they you were are correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They would have hosted. No, they were a champion. No, they were <laughs> correct. Yeah, Duh. yeah they so were no. getting a buy. Right. Yeah. So I think they could have won a game, certainly, in that tournament. Right. That changes everything. It changes it the whole dynamic. Instead, they're going to the Rose Bowl right. uh, that really had nothing to do with the tournament. Uh, I, I think this will help to balance out a sport that has become awfully regional lately, where the same teams are in the tournament every year, and there's only four of them. So it's, it's always some variation of Ohio State, Clemson, Alabama, uh, Oklahoma, um, Notre Dame, that's been it. Right. Who am I missing? I'm, I'm Clemson. I'm missing somebody in there. But there, there's basically six teams who dominated dominated the whole four. Right. That won't happen anymore. So that's good. Welcome to Cureleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary. Whether you're a longtime patient or you're just getting acquainted with this incredible plant, Cureleaf of Pennsylvania is honored to guide you along your medical marijuana journey. Have questions? Visit us at cureleaf.com or stop in to see us at any of our 12 locations. Let's talk medical marijuana and let our confidence become yours. It's a Blue White Breakdown podcast. We're about halfway through this Penn Live Penn State episode, talking everything college football and Big Ten. You can find it wherever you get your audio, Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher. You look for podcasts, you'll find us. Video version, youtube.com slash all Penn State. Dave, one more question on this topic. We've heard a lot about the idea that maybe divisions, conference, uh, you know, divisions go away, whether it's uh, the East, you know, whatever, uh, East, West, North, South, if you're in the, the Big 12 or Pac-12. But what are your thoughts on that? Should they ab- abolish the, the divisions and just make it one conference and you set your schedule based off of that? Or do you like the idea of keeping the divisions? When we're I talking got three, about- three different positions on it, actually. For, first of all, I think they should because it would cut off a game where these kids don't have to play. Right. I mean, the champion's going to be playing, what is it, 17 games? Right. Um, and that would be good. As a fan, I love divisions in the Big Ten. I think it gives it a flavor, and you're starting to see that. I mean, yeah. even even though maybe the East and West are hey, – I was talking to my, my, my nephew, uh, Josh Jackson, who was a quarterback in Maryland, and his brother, Jeremy, we were – you know, on vacation back in Ohio just a few weeks ago. And he he's here to tell you, he said, the East is so much tougher. Uh, he was a quarterback at Maryland. Uh, he said, it's just, it's not even close. I said, come on, it, it's getting close. He goes, nah, <laughs> I don't, I, I don't care. I think it, the, the West has this underdog mentality. Now they've got always got a chip on their shoulder. And I think that's fun. Right. So as a fan, I like it. Um, but the third position is it ain't going to happen. <laughs> I don't think anyone's anyone's going to cancel their championship game. I mean, they're going to pick their champion the way they want to pick them, and the right. playoff is not telling them how to, how they're going to be picked. Right. They just say you you assign your champion whoever however you want to do it, and it's you know it's another week of uh, money they can keep every conference. So I don't right. see it happening. I think it no, should. I don't happen, either. But I don't think it will. Yep. No, I don't either, Dave. All right. Two things to get to before I promise you could have some Ben Simmons time on this episode. We'll go a little bit off topic, but before (laughs) that, you're, 
you're the Sixers fan. You can have some Ben Simmons time we'll too. I'm more interested in your that. position. Two, yeah, two recruiting notes. Penn State heading into its final official or uh, visit weekend of the summer until late July. That's this weekend. Seven on seven camp is Friday. A lot of the commits will be in town. Some other names to know. We'll see what happens. I predict they'll get at least a commit or two coming out of this. They did get a commitment earlier in the week. Tyler Johnson, a receiver from Virginia, three-star committed on Monday, and A.J. Lighton, a former Florida State quarter, uh, cornerback, rather, who was a top 50 and a five-star recruit. He is transferring into Penn State, joining the program. As in uh, Jordan Vandenberg, the former Iowa Western uh, defensive tackle, moving up from the JUCO ranks, joining Penn State's roster this week as well. The second, uh, sub, you know, when people talk about the portal, Penn State's really made out good this offseason. But if they're going to lose anybody to it, uh, I can guarantee it's going to happen in all likelihood before the second uh, academic semester starts next Tuesday. So that'll be something to keep an eye out for any commitments next week and any uh, possible program defections. All right, Dave, that's the PSA. Take it away, buddy. You're well, I, 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 I want to no, I want to ask you about light and actual. Yeah, because this is a perfect example of a kid who went to the south from Big Ten territory. I and mean, he's a Maryland kid, right? Yes. I believe he's a Maryland kid, went to Florida State, didn't go to the SEC, but he went to. Yeah, down so there. he went to the same high school that Marcus Allen went to. Wise high school, oh, okay. Upper Marlboro. Okay. okay. Uh, but I, as I remember, he was a really, really uh, well-regarded recruit. Yep. Uh, five stars or four stars? He was know. a five-star, yeah. He was a top 50 player, yep. Um, Bama, Oklahoma, those kind of schools were after him, Georgia. And he was a – Penn State made part. his top five, but it was a courtesy inclusion, you know. He was a part of that horrific mess with Willie Taggart down there. Um, so I would keep my eye on that. I, I, and, and he basically is washed out of that place. I don't know. I, I think, I, I think it's actually the inverse. I think he realized how much of a mess it was and just got, okay. Out. Um, okay. yeah, I think I, you know, obviously I'm sure there's, there's, there's two sides to every story. Right. But uh, I have a hard time believing that we've heard James Franklin talk so often about, when they bring in these guys, there's a whole checklist that they go through to make sure that they're not just adding talent, but they're adding good people. And I know that that's a cliche and that's a college coaches thing and whatever, but I don't believe they're going to add somebody this close to summer camp starting that they think would be a problem, a disruption, problem. whatever. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it's just, it's too close. You've come too far this off season to throw somebody in the mix that you don't believe can help you in on the field and off of it. So I also, think it's a good pick up and we'll see. Also, anytime there's a head coaching change, um, that can be tough for players to get used to. They didn't go there for that coach. And Mike Norvell right. came in from Memphis to, uh, to coach Florida state and Taggart was out of there. So who knows, maybe that transition wasn't, good for him i don't know uh all right well then and what do you think of the wide receiver i'm curious uh tyler johnson yeah i mean this is a guy right. that blew up a little bit in the spring penn state a number of big 10 schools maryland purdue i think indiana offered at that point virginia and virginia tech i mean he was a guy that was the prototypical you know under the radar because of COVID uh, recruit you know there's just not a lot of people who knew about this guy he did not have a star rating at first and then 
once some of these schools got some tape on him and started offering, the uh, the rating came along with it. So he's a burner. I mean, he is a quick guy. Um, I'm pretty sure Daniel Gallon's going to talk to him. We're recording this on Thursday about lunchtime. Daniel Gallon uh, is going to have a story up on him later this week or over the weekend. So keep an eye out for that. But I think he's an intriguing kid. His high school coach raves about him as not just a player, but a person. And again, I think that if we had a normal year, Dave, he's a guy that would be getting more attention from bigger schools, not just Penn State, you know, some of these other Big Ten schools in the in-state, Virginia and Virginia Tech. Oh, you know what I'd like to see is more guys who just catch the ball. Yeah, and he burn, does. And burners, you know. Right. I know I know you need more guys who can stretch the field, but no, you're right. stretching it's a... the field is catching the ball in traffic, and they've had a minimum of guys. I, you know who I really liked the last year was Parker Washington yeah. because that kid caught – contested balls and then broke tackles yep. i mean i think he's going to be a really good player yeah i uh, do too but you're right they uh, the biggest issue they have with that receivers group is that it seems to have plenty of potential on paper but outside Jahan dotson and parker washington last year yeah it was tough to you know it's all it feels like since 2014 it's been tough for a lot of receivers to get themselves open um, yeah, not I, everyone penn state's had but a lot i had of, an arg- i had an argument with some guy one of those Twitter contentious Twitter guys. Uh, you know, when I was, uh, I did this, did a story on Ben. This is a Ben Simmons segue. See, Greg? Beautiful. I knew <laughs> I, I, said, <laughs> <laughs> I said that if it was a, it was a contrived headline and some people mocked me and rightly so, because it was funny. Some guy made a really funny line and I said, I got to give you credit. That's funny. I don't care if you're mocking me. Right. Uh, but there was another guy who picked a fight because I, what, what the premise was that if the Sixers had more guys with the attitude of, I said, first Allen Iverson, and then I said, Trace McSorley, who do actually have a common thread because they're both Virginia kids who are quarterbacks um, and, and were very decorated quarterbacks in the state of Virginia, that, that they would have a leader. They would have something they don't have, which was a, a beating heart. Yeah. Um, and I actually called up Rick McSorley to ask him, was the, the, was your kid always this way or was he taught to be this leader? And th- that was the question. Are, are, are people like Ben Simmons um, never going to have a heart? Can, can they be taught? Are kids like Trace McSorley, are they born that way? And he tried to say initially, well, yeah, I mean, he had some really good youth coaches. And then he gave James Franklin a lot of credit. But then he went back to a couple of stories where he said he remembered Trace just basically taking over at the end of a third grade basketball game. Did you ever play basketball in third grade? Because I don't remember playing organized basketball in third grade. But anyway, and he, you know, he wanted to take the last shot. And then in a fifth grade football game, he's 11 years old. He wanted to get the team together and rally him together and gave him a little speech before the coach even had a chance to. Right. And the coach said, well, I guess I don't have to say anything. Trace has this cover. He was kind of chuckling at himself, which suggests, I mean, it, you're either stamped that, that way or you're not. Right. And I think you have to examine somebody's background and who they are before you pick them number one in the damn draft. Right. Because Ben Simmons clearly doesn't have that gene. Correct. And the question is, at this point where he's making $35 million a year, can you seat that inside him? I, I don't know. I don't think they have any choice now, but 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 to keep him unless there's some sucker who wants to uh, 
take a take a, a there's always somebody who believes they can fix a guy's head right sure some right. gm who thinks they can do it right uh so maybe maybe there is that guy and they can get fair value back for him boy i don't know it's gonna be tough all you're right a, you're a sixer fan what did what did you think of the whole thing i mean you know it just there were too many times. To- I mean, there were so many issues. Simmons obviously being one of them, but the bench was a problem. Obviously, Embiid was playing uh, not at full strength, and he, you know, there were times he looked like he was close to it. There was times that he looked like he certainly didn't. But I guess, and you and I have talked about this, but the problem I have is where do you go from here? What is the quick fix? You know, what is the solution? And I don't know if there's an easy one for this. What team would you What at. would you say about Seth Curry and Ben Simmons? For De'Aaron Fox, if Sacramento would do it. Sure. I don't know why Sacramento would do it, but sure. <laughs> what do we give them both? Huh? Yeah, I mean, that's kind of the the response to, you know, obviously there's the trade simulators and everything. And I think a lot of fans and people who follow basketball have thought about this, uh, you know, idea of, tra- you know, well, who would take what? How much would it take to get so-and-so <laughs> for Simmons and so-and-so? And the question, it always circles back to why would they do <laughs> What that's, purpose would that's that That's the kind of trade uh, scenario I would get thrown off the air with Howard Eskin for. He'd say, you yeah. know what that is? That's a joke. You know what you are? You're a joke. Get out of here. WIP time, 11.58. All right. That's it for this edition of the Blue White Breakdown. We'll be back next week.